We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. At this point, I think the Buffalo Sabres are truly the worst organization, not just in the NHL, but of all four major pro sports. And we're going to talk about that today on Talking Buffalo. And on that note, welcome everybody to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you very much as always for locking in, whether you're listening to this on the audio side, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, or whether you're checking us out on the video side on YouTube, which if you are, please make sure that you like, comment, subscribe on the video. It is really starting to help us grow this channel here on the video side. But regardless of how you're consuming this, I appreciate you very much. Uh, We're going to spend some time today talking about the Buffalo Sabres and just how bad they are. I mean, this is a putrid organization, completely dysfunctional. I hate talking about the Sabres at this point on this podcast, quite frankly, but I just got too much on my mind. And I got a lot on my chest about this team, and we're going to get it out today. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. For that, a c- couple quick things here. Number one, um, most of you are probably watching or listening to this episode on Tuesday. So actually, it'll be a day removed from that. But I am recording this right around dinner time on Monday, which is the six-year anniversary of Talking Buffalo. It was six years ago, exactly on this date, uh, February 19th, 2018, uh, that I launched the very first episode of Talking Buffalo, which if you're an OG to the show, you would know. It wasn't called Talking Buffalo. It was called Moranalytics Podcast. Um, Sal Capaccio was the very first guest that I had on. Did a nice hour or so long interview with him. And then from there, it was off and running. And uh, I've said it before. I'm not going to get into this long spiel again because, again, I want to I want to get into the Sabres today. I really want to sink my teeth into this team, which is very bad news, by the way, for that shitbag organization. But um, I just, I don't know. I want to take a minute or so to just express a little bit of gratitude because I remember being in Florida. I moved from Buffalo. I spent my whole life there. 
moved to Florida in the summer of 2016. Yeah, 2016. After about a year or so, at least at that time, I was starting to get really bored. Well, maybe not so much bored in Florida, but I was definitely getting homesick with Buffalo. I had worked in the media a little bit here and there uh, throughout most of my adult life in the media, mostly freelance stuff or blogs, things like that. But anyway, I was just really missing that Buffalo sports and uh, media connection. So I started watching videos and doing research on what kind of gear to get. I knew I wanted to do a podcast at that point. That's what I'm saying. So I, I did a lot of research, put a lot of time into it. Premiered February 19, 2018 with Sal Capaccio, off and running. And I'll tell you what, if you would have told me then, six years you know, later to that day, um, I would have had 631 episodes and counting that I would have the opportunity to, to sit down on this show and have long-form conversations with people like Adam Schefter and Josina Anderson and Richard Deitch and Ross Tucker, uh, Lee Steinberg, tons of former Buffalo Bills greats that I've admired throughout their career and after their career. Uh, a couple of former NBA All-Star point guards that I grew up loving to watch play. Kenny Anderson, Rod Strickland, you know, not to mention all the people, national media, but especially locally here in Buffalo, sports media, news media. If you would have told me six years ago, I'd have the opportunity to have these conversations with so many of them. I would have said that you're nuts, but that's exactly what's happened. Uh, I've had a ton of fun doing this for the most part. I mean, it is work too, but it's also a lot of fun. You know, put a couple bucks in my pocket along the way. It's just been a, been a pretty wild ride. So for any of you out there who are, who are watching this or listening to this today, for any role you have played over the last six years or the first six years, I should say, of this podcast, whether you're a regular listener, whether you're a new listener, whether you're somebody who just watches the clips on social media, whether you're somebody who just hits that retweet button, that cheer button or whatever, has had any role whatsoever in talking Buffalo still being around six years later. I truly, honestly, sincerely thank you very much. Um, here's the six more, hopefully. God willing, health, that I'll still be here doing this uh, for quite some time to come. Because again, for the most part, I really enjoy it, which by the way, I remember being weekly and then I remember going twice weekly after the first six or seven episodes. And it felt like such a big deal to me at the time. So time consuming. And now here I am years later where this is literally a five day per week podcast. Uh, anyway, so thank you for that. And also I would like to tell everybody who, if you did not catch yesterday's episode, I would really highly recommend that you go back and, and listen to it or, or watch it. However, uh, you consume the show. I had on Greg Thompson from cover one, uh, Bruce Nolan from the Bruce exclusive part of Buffalo rumblings and also Joe Marino from lockdown bills. Three of the absolute very best Buffalo bills, content creators in the game period. End of story. It was a great conversation. It was our fourth annual uh, Buffalo Podcasters Roundtable. And what we do with these annual shows is we talk about everything and anything except the actual Buffalo Bills. So if you're a fan personally of any or all three of these guys, 
if you're a podcaster, if you're somebody who, who has thought about doing a podcast or somebody who just has an interest in how podcasts work, this was definitely a great episode for you to go and check out, man. I mean, these guys took you behind the curtain. Uh, they talked about some of the challenges that they still have doing their shows, even after all these episodes, all these years, some of the things that they've gotten comfortable with, their process, um, navigating social media, all that comes with having hit podcasts like all three of those guys do. So like I said, if you haven't checked that out already, please make sure um, you do that. It, it was really good. Um, as far as today's show, all right, let's just dive into this. And it's not going to be a very long show. Two things. Number one, I don't talk about the Buffalo Sabres very often on this podcast anymore. And I think that's for two reasons. Number one, uh, you know, as somebody who who's the uh, the publisher of this podcast, I also have to be mindful of the audience. And I can't turn my back on the fact that, you know, I go back and I know what the numbers are. I know, generally speaking, what my audience is. And for the most part, what they want to hear, what they want to consume. And this, for the, as much as I wish it was a little more balanced, this is primarily a, a podcast where the audience wants to hear about the Buffalo Bills, which I completely understand. So when I have a guest on most of the time, I mean, every now and then I'll have a Sabres related theme with the right guests or the right topic, and it still does really, really well. But generally speaking, when I have Buffalo Bills topics, the shows do much, much better than when we spend a day primarily talking about uh, the Buffalo Sabres. That's just the way it is. That's the audience, and that's what the numbers are. And as somebody who you know, puts the work in to do a show every day, I would be absolutely foolish to not uh, serve the audience and primarily what they want. So as a result, not as much Sabres coverage as we've had over the past couple of years. Another big part of that reason is I used to have Joe Yurden on every week. And of course, Joe, who covers the Buffalo Sabres, he, he's at every practice, he's at every game. Uh, he has his own Substack now, notedhockey.com. Just doesn't have the time to be able to do the show with me. So it's very rare that I get him on. So I lost kind of that connection that I had to have somebody come on and be able to talk Sabres each and every week. Uh, most of the recurring guests, the regular guests that I have are primarily Bills people, which is the way I want it. But anyway, so just the opportunity to talk Sabres isn't there as often as it used to be. Uh, like I said, the numbers just dictate that the audience wants to hear more Bills and less Sabres, which again, don't blame them. The Buffalo Bills are really good and the Buffalo Sabres are complete shit. And then quite frankly, the other reason is when it comes to the Sabres, I'm not as knowledgeable with the inner workings of this team. I don't watch every single game from opening whistle to final horn. I don't follow them as closely as I follow the Buffalo Bills. So I, for me to come on and, and do something, especially solo like this, where I don't even have a, a hockey-minded guest to kind of back up some points and elaborate on some things that I'm going to drop for you all and in just a couple of minutes. It's just a, a weird space for me. It feels a little bit um, awkward, almost uncomfortable, which is funny because that's one of the topics that Greg, Joe, Bruce, and I talked about on the podcast yesterday when it comes to podcasting. But I'm going to proceed with this today because 
I spent my Monday afternoon watching the Buffalo Sabres at home, President's Day game here, matinee against the, uh, the Anaheim Ducks. And I tweeted about this before the weekend, kind of let it go. On Saturday night, the, the Sabres went into, I almost said the Bills, bad habit. Anyway, Saturday night, the Sabres go to Minnesota and they beat the Minnesota Wild in overtime. They score a goal with less than 30 seconds left to play, to tie the game, get it to overtime, and then they win it. Then on Monday, the Sabres are at home and they're hosting the Anaheim Ducks, which are one of the very worst teams this season in the NHL. And the Sabres, in true Sabres form, lose at home to the lowly Anaheim Ducks 4-3 to in a game that they outshot the Ducks 34-15. to I'm pretty sure that's what the shots were. And by the way, if you happen to be watching this on the video side, I, I got to let you know this too. I'm going to be referring to notes because again, I like the Bills where I feel like I'm just much more locked in on the Bills and I could just riff with a lot of shit right off the top of my head. When it comes to the Sabres and the shitty ass team and franchise, I'm going to be referring to notes an awful lot. So if you're watching this on the video side and you happen to see me looking down, I'm not like veering off into space. I'm just going through some notes because I had to write a lot of shit down because otherwise I would never remember it um, off the top of my head. But anyway, last week on, on social media, on Twitter, X, whatever the fuck you want to call it at this point, I put out a tweet saying, and it was after another loss, and they've lost so many games right now, I just can't even keep track anymore. But I said, low key, and I think it flies under the radar, that the Buffalo Sabres may be the worst organization in all of the four major pro sports right now. Maybe not this team this year. That's not what I mean. Like They're not even the worst team in the NHL this season let alone all of sports this year. What I'm talking about is the totality over the course of the last, say, dozen years or so. I don't think there's an organization in all of pro sports that has been more consistently inept than the Buffalo Sabres. And a lot of people responded, whether they agreed, um, they, they had other candidates which before this show is over, I got five teams from other major pro sports that I'm going to hit on and kind of contrast and compare to the Buffalo Sabres. Because again, at the end of the day, I truly think between on the ice, coaching, management, ownership, a crumbling shitty arena that I think the Sabres in my opinion, are the absolute worst organization in pro sports. But anyway, so, and I think that goes under the radar a little bit. And I tweeted about this last week, and it kind of has been rekindled today. Like I said that last week, and then I kind of put it on the shelf, and then the Sabres go on, and they beat the Wild, a good team, on Saturday. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit. But then they lose at home to a shitty-ass team where they outshoot them by over 20 completely sleepwalk defensively and lose to the Anaheim Ducks, which by the way, the, the Ducks are 2-0 against the Buffalo Sabres this year. They swept them. Just fucking unbelievable. But anyway, it's kind of reignited that thought in my mind about this team being bad. And I just wrote down a bunch of shit that I, I, I want to share with you. And uh, 
we'll start, I guess. You look at the team this year. And actually, hold on. Before I even get to that, real quick. I said it flies under the radar. And I do believe that. Like, I think the fact that the Sabres are the worst organization in sports is something you rarely hear about in Buffalo. And I think the biggest reason is because this is such a football town and everybody cares about the Buffalo Bills so deeply, including myself. That's not a criticism at all for Bills fans, Bills Mafia. And I know some people watching are Bills fans and Sabres fans. Some people, a very small amount of people are probably hardcore Bills and hardcore Sabre fans. Like they watch, they live and die with every Bills game. and. They live and die with every Sabres game, which, God, I can't even freaking imagine if I had to do that. But I get part of it. I get, I get the Bills part. I get why the Sabres fly under the radar and why more people aren't hating on them. That makes sense. Because you live and die with everything. Forget about the season. You know, of course, the Bills losing the playoffs, it's, it's a punch in the gut. But even every game, every week, is either a punch in the gut or the coolest victory lap ever. That's what it feels like in the time, right? Doesn't have to be a playoff game, a season ender, a Super Bowl, none of that. You know, the Bills lose a, a Thursday night game against Denver in improbable fashion, and it makes for like the worst fucking three-day weekend ever. That's just the way it is. The life of a Bills Mafia, you know, you can't say Bills fan anymore, right? Isn't it Bills Mafia now exclusively? But that's how it feels, right? Conversely, the Bills smack the shit out of Miami or they go into Miami and they win the division title in week 18. It's the greatest week ever. It's just the way it goes. You live and you die with the Buffalo Bills. So you have that plus the component that the Sabres haven't made the playoffs in fucking forever. And you get to a point where you don't even hate on the Sabres no more. You just check out. You didn't give a shit about them. So to say that the Sabres fly under the radar, I think is completely accurate, 100%. And I know I've checked out on them. You know, I mentioned Joe Yurden used to be on the show every week with me. And I remember going back a couple years ago and it was like a weekly thing, kind of what I'm bringing back here right now today, where I just absolutely hate on the Buffalo Sabres. Like the team has made me hate them. That's how I felt when I would talk to Joe every week. And then last year, they were good. Young team, upstart, one point away from making the playoffs. Like, let's go. Finally. You know, we're ready to see some good Sabres hockey, a team that's going to be dead smack in a playoff mix. And then you have this year. And for the most part, it's just maybe completely checked out. Like, I don't even fucking care. I don't give a fuck for the most part about the Sabres anymore. And I apologize for... Vulgar language, by the way, I mean, to be fair, it's in the, you know, the show notes when you, when you have the podcast, at least on the audio side, you see that little E. So there's some cuss words here and there, but I generally speak and I try to keep it to a bare minimum, but I'm sure a lot of swear words are going to come out this episode. So I'm warning you now, if you're listening to this in your office or anywhere else, but yeah, man, just completely checked out on this team. Anyway, let's, let's talk about this game today. So they lose. To Anaheim, 4-3, to three, I still can't believe they lost this game. And to me, I started thinking, and I tweeted this out again on, on Monday afternoon here, shortly before I recorded this podcast. I'm like, the Sabres going to Minnesota, and they beat them, 
and then they come back at home against the lowly Anaheim Ducks and they lose at home. If that's not the perfect microcosm for what the Buffalo Sabres are now and what the Buffalo Sabres have been for the last 12, 13 years, then I don't know what the hell is. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are 24, 27, and 4 this season. They've played 55 games. And during those 55 games, they've won consecutive games exactly twice. Only two times this whole season, 55 games, have they won two in a row. Guess how many times this team has had a three-game winning streak? Zero. Zero three-game winning streaks this entire season. As I record this right now, the Sabres are tied with Montreal for the seventh fewest points in the NHL. So you can go ahead and you can break out that old takeathon.com because it is mock draft season time for the Buffalo Sabres. It is lottery chances now for the Buffalo Sabres. I can't believe we're saying this again. Instead of being in the hunt for a playoff spot, which they were last year and look to build on that, the only thing the Sabres are in the hunt for is a very high draft pick right now. They legit, by the end of this season, the Buffalo Sabres could end up with a bottom five record in the entire NHL. It just, it blows my mind. And especially because, mind you, you know, th this is a team that was supposed to be on the come up. You know, this was a team that had actual playoff expectations this year. I remember conversations with Joe over the summer, like playoffs were the expectation. A lot of players said that. I don't know if Granado said that or not, and I really don't give a shit. But I know a lot of media people, a lot of national media people, a lot of local media people who covered a team. Supposed to be playoffs were the expectation this year. And boy, oh boy, man, have they ever let down the fans of this team yet again. So what is it? You know, last year, this team was explosive. If nothing else, they were fun to watch. It was entertaining. Now they can't fucking score. 21, or they're 21st in the NHL right now in goals for. They were third last year. Same cast of players. If anything, a year older and a year more experienced. But they've went from 21st in the league in scoring, or I should say they went from third to 21st. Um, Kevin Adams, a disaster of a summer. Connor Clifton, he he sucks. He was terrible today, and he has sucked since pretty much opening night. And the worst part is, you, you wish you could give him away before the trade deadline. But I don't know if Kevin Adams is going to be able to trade him. I don't think he could give him away because he's still got two more years at $3.3 million left. What a terrible, terrible fucking contract Kevin Adams gave Connor Clifton over the summer. Just awful. And then you bring in Eric Johnson, who is absolutely washed. You know, you often, hockey's a team sport. It's five on five out there. And it's not often that you could say, other than when a goalie is really, really good or really, really bad, that one player doesn't necessarily influence the outcome of your game. But I think on Monday against Anaheim Ducks, I think you could make a very fair and reasonable argument that Eric Johnson was close to being single-handedly responsible for the Sabres losing to the Ducks. Just absolutely brutal. What a complete disaster. That guy, great career, you know, good leader, good player, good career, but he is washed. He is cooked 
right now with the Buffalo Sabres. You got to expect him maybe to get a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, whatever, anything you can get for him, you get rid of him before the deadline. But anyway, that was Kevin Adams' two defensive pickups this summer, and they've just both been terrible. Uh, you know, you bring back Kyle Poso and Gergeson. Maybe at the most, you bring back one of them, but Kevin Adams brought them both back. Uh, never traded Victor Olofsson when maybe he would have had at least some semblance of trade value. I mean, I know he's never going to have a lot because it's a shitty contract, but the guy scored 28 goals. Well, it was a year ago, 20, 28 goals, 23 goals, something like that. Could have had some kind of value, something. Now you're stuck with him for the rest of this season anyway. It's just, it's bad. Casey Middlesex has been one of the best players on his team. Sabres might lose him in 18 months because we go around giving out long-term deals to all these guys. Casey Middlesex, not one of them. He has incrementally improved every year throughout his career. And now he's getting close to, he's going to be a restricted free agent after this year. He's going to get paid. It might not be by the Sabres, so they might lose him. Who knows what they do with him? But that um, didn't go out and get a, a veteran goalie over the summer because Kevin Adams banked on Devin Levi being ready, which he wasn't. And that's not a long-term indictment on Devin Levi. Devin Levi might be the next Ryan Miller. In fact, I'm confident that Devin Levi eventually will be a star. But he's not now, and he wasn't ready. So all that, plus they can't stay healthy, and this team just freaking stinks. They stink this year, but that's not even the topic of today. Today's topic is mainly about them just being the worst organization in all of sports. And we're going to talk about beyond just this year here uh, real quick after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. All right, I am back here on Talking Buffalo today, and topic is me just flat out thinking that the Buffalo Sabres very well may be the worst organization, not just in the NHL, but of all of major sports over the last 10, uh, 11, 12 years, or whatever. 
again, I'm referring to notes here. If you're watching this on the video side and you're wondering where all my eyes are going from looking at the camera to down here on my laptop, because I don't know these off the top of my head, I had to write them down, didn't have time to memorize them, don't give a shit enough to memorize them. And quite frankly, some of these numbers and, and facts are, are so freaking ridiculous that I had to take a second look at them because it's almost hard to believe that they're actually fucking real, but they are. All right. So now here we go. Here's some facts. The Sabres are, and I guess I'm kind of supporting my case here from this point forth that the Sabres truly are the worst organization in all of sports. So here's some facts, folks. The Sabres are locked into a 13th year of missing the playoffs, which already was the most in NHL history. So now at this point, they're just extending their own record. The Sabres have had seven head coaches and four GMs since this drought started. They've had the fewest points in the entire NHL, not once, not twice, but three times during this drought. Uh, they, had, they were dead last in the NHL in 2013-2014. They followed it up going back-to-back. -back. Worst team in the NHL, 2014 and 2015. And then a couple of years later, again, in 2017 and 2018. Uh, they've had a winning record twice during this drought. Twice, that's it. So it's not even like they were coming close a handful of times. They've only had a winning record twice. And one of them was last season. The only other time they had a winning record besides last season was 2011 and 2012, which was the first year of the drought. So they had a winning record the first year of the drought. They had a winning record the last year of the drought, not counting this year, which is surely going to add to it. And that is literally it. Um, they finished dead last in their division six times. Just think about that. Dead last in your division six times during this drought. Worst record in the entire league three different times. And then they had the worst owner introductory press conference in 2011 that I've ever seen. Which is funny because back in 2011 during that conference, I was there. I actually was, I can't remember who it was, but I was... I think I might have had a blog at the time. And I was, I was credentialed though. And I was there at that press conference, sitting there, fourth, fifth row. And I remember Terry Bagula talking about the sole purpose from this point forth is to win the Stanley Cup. And a lot of people, including myself, to some extent, bought into it. And it just felt awkward even on day one. And I remember him crying when he was thinking about Gilbert Perot and the French Connection. And it just felt from day one that this was just a, a Sabres fanboy who owns his hockey team. That was a disaster, literally, from uh, day one. And, you know, you just, you look at, you know, Terry Begula ultimately is responsible for hiring a GM, has a role, if not a direct role, in who the head coach is going to be. And they have just whiffed time and time and time again. Ever since, especially since Darcy Ruggiero got fired, in uh, 2013, Tim Murray, GM, 2014 to late in 2017. And again, I'm note referring here. Jason Bottrell, May 2017 through June 2020. And now Kevin Adams, June of 2020 to present. You look at the head coaches. Terrible, man. Dan Bleesma, 
Wrong coach for Jack Eichel. Wrong coach for Sam Reinhardt early on in their career. More on those guys in just a second. Then they go to Phil Housley. Uh, you know, Phil Housley just what he wasn't ready to be a head coach. And he hasn't had a, an NHL head coaching job since. So kind of tells you there what you need to know. Who else you want to include in this? We'll just get to the highlights. How about Ralph Kruger? Ralph Kruger may be the worst head coach in the history of the Buffalo Sabres, the entire history of the Buffalo Sabres since birth ever. I mean, this guy had fucking Jeff Skinner playing on the fourth line. Worst ever. Terry Bagula hire. And now you get to Don Granado now. You know, Don Granado feels like a good young developmental guy. But it also feels like last year was as evidenced by what we're seeing this year, I think. As he's a guy who can only take you so far. Like he'll make you a better player, especially if you're younger. He'll get you to that next gear. But he can't get you to the gear after that. That's how it feels about Don Granado right now. And you could see, and I don't even hate Don Granado, by the way. One of the few people in this organization right now I don't hate. But you could just see the, he had optimism. Like his press conferences, his pressers, they were a lot more insightful last year. And even early on this year, summer conversations with him, training camp, just much more insightful and ambitious and energetic. Whereas now he just looks demoralized, resigned. I think he's a guy who knows that his time might be up here at the end of the season, which it should be. Because, I mean, this team needs a whole bunch of shit. But they really need a veteran coach who could bring some, some discipline and fundamentals to this organization because it lacks really bad. So anyway, the GMs have not worked out. Some cases they've sucked. Ditto for the head coaches. Uh, you go back during this drought, and I'm not going to go through all of them because it'll be your all goddamn day. But look at some of the awful free agent signings and trades. Just some of the big ones that they have missed on so badly. Of course, Billy Lano. I mean, we could talk about him an entire episode. He is the poster. Like when I sit here and say, it's too late now because I didn't think of it. I wasn't smart enough on the fly. But when I did the graphic for you know, Sabres, worst organization in sports. God, did I miss the mark by not having Billy Lino on the cover of that graphic. And they gave this guy a six-year, $27 million deal because he had a good playoff series for the Philadelphia Flyers year before that. Come on, Darcy. That's as bad as it gets. Uh, kind of fast forward. Taylor Hall. Thought the Sabres were all in for winning. Thought they were going to be good. You assign Taylor Hall to a big ass one year contract, like six point four million in twenty twenty. Doesn't even last the season. He gets traded. Uh, Christian Earhoff. Technically, the Sabers traded for him. It wasn't technically a free agent signing, but for all intents and purposes, it was. They gave that guy who might be one one of the worst contracts in the history of the NHL. Forget about just the worst in the history of the Sabers. Ten years, forty million dollars. In the 2011-2012 uh, season, Dew got bought out in 2014. Just a flop. Disastrous. Um, I don't know how I feel about including Kyle Iposo on this list because he's been with the Sabres now for, what, eight years or so? He's the captain. I get that. But he's been a fourth liner who doesn't score for almost his entire Sabres tenure, and he never got paid like that. When he got signed from the New York Islanders, 
He's supposed to be a really good top six forward. Has Kyle Ocposo been a good top six forward for the Buffalo Sabres? No, I don't think so. And we already talked about Clifton and Eric Johnson this year, what disasters they are. And then again, you go back in the vault and some of these trades, getting uh training Zach Cashian for, for Cody Hudson. <laughs> and the Sabres gave that guy after trading for him a six-year 25. I had to look this up. I'm looking at my notes right now. Six years, 25.5 million extension that year. 218 games for the Sabres, 99 points, never had more than 44 points. And the team bought him out in June of 2015. And you get Matt Molson and picks for Thomas Panic in 2013, who was then flipped to Minnesota. Then he resigns with the Sabres five years, $25 million in 2014. Never once scored more than 14 goals as a Buffalo Sabre. Got demoted to the AHL after the Sabres waived him in 2017 and never played in the NHL again. Again, just historically bad trades, free agent signings. And my statement about this team being the worst, again, it isn't this year. It's this era, this generation of Buffalo Sabres hockey. I just don't think there's a worse team in sports than the Buffalo Sabres. Is consistently bad for as long as this. Um, Eric Stahl. I'm, I'm just looking at notes at this point. Again, I don't keep going the whole fucking episode. If you want to go this route, man, he comes from Minnesota uh, in a trade, a deal in the Montreal, same season. Then nothing to help this team. Then you look at some of the draft picks, which by the way, the Sabres have hit on some draft picks. That said, when you're drafting fucking first, second, second overall, you're going to get a bunch of good players. When you are consistently drafted in the top 10, you better hit on some. But they've had a lot of flops. And of course, we're not going to talk about any guy who's been drafted within, say, the last one to even three or four years because you got to see how that pans out. But you go through this list during this drought. Um, Alex Nylander, eighth overall in 2016. Utter flop. Nikita Zadorov, 16th overall in 2013. Uh, Grigorenko, 14th overall in 2012. Uh, Joel Armia, who? <laughs> 16th overall back in 2011. Bunch of second rounders that just never worked out. Rasmus Asplin, uh, Marcus Davidson, Brendan Gooley, uh, Brendan Lemieux, Connor Hurley. Uh, who the fuck is even Connor Hurley? Sorry, no disrespect to him. I don't even remember who that is. Eric Cornell. These are all Sabres second round picks during a drought. And again, you know, you got some good talent. That, I mean, the Sabres have had good grades in their farm system, especially over the last handful of years. But what is that translated to, at least to this point, on the ice? And I'm not going to give Murray or any GM credit when for drafting Jack Eichel second or Sam Reinhardt second in their respective drafts or Rasmus Stalin first overall. You or I could have been GM in the Buffalo Sabres and made those selections. So you get no credit for that. And then you look at his team, good players. It's not like this team never had good rosters and good players. They just either underachieved or were unhappy as fuck to be Buffalo Sabres and couldn't get out of here fast enough. And that's all evidenced by what some of these star players have done once they left this organization. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, he leaves the Sabres. He has lost his passion or his enjoyment or whatever it was for playing for this team. Who the hell blames him? Do you blame him? Anyway, he gets traded. He goes to St. Louis. He wins the Stanley Cup. He wins the Conn Smythe Trophy for a playoff MVP. 
Jack Eichel, center controversy. You know, um, can't say his name around these parts without people getting on your shit. Jack Eichel leaves, goes to Vegas, and what, two years later, he's a Stanley Cup champion. Sam Reinhardt, as of this recording, he's got 39 goals with Florida this year. 39 goals. Probably going to finish with 50 goals this year. <laughs> Linus Omark, he goes to Boston. He, he, he literally wins a Vezna. Evander Kane, eh, whatever. But, you know, he was shit with Buffalo. Never made the Buffalo Sabres better. And by the way, every player I just named, they were all on the 2015-2016 Buffalo Sabres roster. Just want to point that out there. O'Reilly, Eichel, Reinhardt, Olmark, Kane. Um, that team also had Robin Leonard. You know, Robin Leonard has finished in the top six in Vesna voting three straight years. He finished top six in the Vesna after leaving the Buffalo Sabres. Made it to a cup with Vegas back in 2019-2020. So, I mean, come on. Guy after guy after guy just leave and achieve success. And how many good trades have the Sabres really made? I mean, it's easy to look at some of these good players, these younger players on the Sabres and say, oh, they were great trades. Were they, though? Like Tage Thompson. Tage is a stud. I love Tage. He's playing hurt this year. It shows, too. He, I mean, he's not played well this year, but he, I also think he's played through a lot of injuries. But anyway... How can you say Tate Thompson was a great trade when you had to give up Ryan O'Reilly to get him? And you could say, well, Ryan O'Reilly didn't do shit with the Buffalo Sabres. Well, you know what? Maybe if the culture was better, maybe if they won more, maybe if the coach was different, maybe if the locker room was different, maybe these guys would have more of a passion to want to be in Buffalo. Don't say, you know, Ryan O'Reilly didn't work out with the Sabres, but don't say Ryan O'Reilly wasn't an elite player because he absolutely was. He was before he got here. And he was after he left. Yes or no? So don't tell me that Tate Thompson was a great trade when you had to give up Ryan O'Reilly. Don't tell me that getting Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs is great move when you give up Jack Eichel. Yes, again, Jack Eichel didn't want to be a Buffalo Saber. Jack Eichel, kind of an asshole. I think we could all say that. Wasn't the best locker room guy. Also, probably didn't have the best leadership around him either. The best, uh, you know, guys to help him develop and mature. Sure as fuck should have been Evander Kane. I can tell you that. But how can you say that getting rid of Jack Eichel ended up being such a great move because you get Alex Tuck, who's been pretty good, and Peyton Krebs, who's been a fourth liner, who's got some skill. He's playing up now. We'll see what comes of him. But don't tell me that's a great fucking trade when Jack Eichel goes to Vegas and helps him win a cup. Isn't that what the Buffalo Sabres are supposed to be doing? Hate it, man. I, I really do. So don't, don't don't tell me these are great trades, man. Just don't do it. And then don't even get me started. You know, we're talking about on the ice stuff. Don't even get me started about the arena itself. What a pile of fucking shit KeyBank Arena is. The experience of going to a Sabres game and sitting in those seats and the concessions and prices and just the condition of the seats and some of the sections is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It really is. Let me finish off with this. Again, some people disagreed about the Sabres being the worst. Um, sent me some candidates, or I, I put some thought into other candidates, and there's five. And if I'm missing somebody, I'm sure you're going to let me know. I'm sure that you are going to let me know. Um, one of them, Carolina Panthers. 
All right, sure. Look, the Carolina Panthers are on a six-year drought and running and counting. They were 2-15 and 15 last year, dead last in the NFL. And then to make matters worse, they traded away what would have been the first overall pick this year because they moved up to get Bryce Young. I mean, taking Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud is going to haunt this franchise for a long time, man. Just an absolute freaking awful abomination of a front office decision to take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. So five years of running, or six years of running, I should say, might get up there a couple more years. Although the NFL, the turnover could be really quick. But having said all that, you cannot say the Carolina Panthers are the worst organization in sports over the last dozen or so years because the Carolina Panthers have made the playoffs in four of their last 11 years, including the Super Bowl in 2015. You cannot compare a team that has been in the championship in their professional sport in the playoffs four times to the Buffalo Sabres who haven't even snipped either of those. So Carolina Panthers, you're out. The New York Jets, this admittedly is the one team where a lot of people say it and I, and I can see it. I get it. This is the one team that maybe the, the Buffalo Sabres, you can go head to head with them and it adds up. But the Jets, they're on a 13-year drought right there with the Bills or Sabres, I'm sorry. Most in sports. They've had just one winning season during the drought. They were 10 and 6 back in 2015. Even the Sabres have had two fucking winning seasons during this drought. Uh, the Jets have only had two campaigns besides that where they've been 500. 2011 in 2013. So over the last 13 years, the Jets have had 10 losing seasons. But, you know, I, I'd say the NFL is a little bit different because in the NFL, six of 16 teams make the playoffs until the past couple of years because now it's up to seven because they added the third wildcard team and only the first seed gets a bye. So that's 37.5% of the teams during most of this draw for the Jets have made the playoffs compared to the NHL where it's literally 15 or 50%, half the league. Uh, the NFL is up to 44% now, but still, no, in defense of the Jets, if I was making a defense, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm saying, no, no, they're not the worst. I would say they've been stuck behind Tom Brady for most of those years. You know, the greatest quarterback of all time, although Pat Mahomes might eventually have something to say about that, but it was a given. You know, you were not beating the Patriots. That's pretty much two losses and no chance of winning that division right there. Most of the career, most of the, the drought. Now it's Josh Allen. They ain't beating, you know, they can't get past Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. But again, in being fair here, I would say the Jets are probably the one team that I definitely would give strong consideration to. Uh, the Oakland A's, 100 games. They've lost, I should say, 100 games each of the past two years. They might be the worst team in all of sports over the past two or three years, but they actually made the playoffs three straight years. 2018, 2019, and 2020, they made the playoffs. They've actually made the playoffs six of their last 12 years. So to me, it's batshit crazy to say the Oakland A's are the worst franchise in sports when they made the playoffs half of their last 12 years. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, another team I heard a lot about. Eight straight years, they have not made the playoffs. They lost 100 games in 2021 and 2022. So they back-to-back 100 uh, loss campaigns. But... Again, they made the playoffs three straight years, 2015, 2014, 2013, and they never have any 
real expectations to, to begin with. Very few true star players on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Very small market team, very low budget, as opposed to the Sabres, who aren't afraid to spend money. Terry Bagulo spend money. He just spends it on the wrong people. And then the last team I'm going to hit on is the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons are headed to their fifth straight year of winning less than 31% of their games. That's just absolutely disgraceful, man. Uh, they haven't had a winning season since 2015, 2016. They went 44 and 38 that year. Uh, they made the playoffs just twice over the last 15 years. They've won fewer than 30 of their 82 games 10 times over the last 15 years. But again, they made the playoffs twice, two times over the last nine years, which is two more times than the Buffalo Sabres will have made the playoffs over the last 13 years. So going by totality, I just can't get behind it. So I guess to wrap this up, to conclude, um, if you want to tell me the Jets are the worst organization in all of sports, major sports for major pro sports, I'll listen to you. Uh, I'll, I'll concede that you have a fair point. But anybody else, no shot, no way. The Buffalo Sabres, whether they're worse or whether they're second worst, I think there's one thing if you're being completely honest with yourself, and I know a lot of true hardcore Sabre fans who really want this team to be good so bad, they don't want to hear this shit, but it's the truth. They are just an absolute disgrace. The Buffalo Sabres are absolutely disgraceful. It's disheartening. I almost wish they sucked last year because if they would have sucked last year, I'd have no expectations that they would be good this year. Because of last year, they teased us. And we had expectations they would be good, which makes the fact that they absolutely fucking suck again this year even more annoying. So that's how I'm going to end this show. Coming back tomorrow, I think tomorrow's show, we're getting right back to football because I don't think I could take two back-to-back -back episodes of talking about this shitbag organization, the Buffalo Sabres. Back to football tomorrow, and we're going to talk about Brandon Bean, and we're going to go back to last year, and we're going to evaluate Brandon Bean's 2023 offseason, the free agents that he signed, the draft picks he made, uh, a couple trades, stuff like that. We're going to set the table, back to setting the table, I should say, for the Bills' 2024 offseason, because I think this is going to be a very, very, very critical offseason for uh, for Brandon Bean here. But anyway, that's going to be on tomorrow's show. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll be back. Talk to you tomorrow. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. 
MyPatriotSupply.com.